Hello and welcome to Full Send with Christina Kim and Alan Shipnuck. We are back at it again. It's kind of a nice, quiet week in the world of golf uh, for the PGA Tour and the LPGA, but we've been busy beavers as always. Um, so Christina, for the first time in your golfing life, you you got to a little resort on the Oregon coast called Bandon Dunes. Are you still just blissed out from the experience? Oh, I am going to be blissed out for a very, very long time. <laughs> it was, holy shit, what an amazing experience. Um, yeah, I decided to, after my foiled attempt to go up north to New Jersey to try and get a, a handful of days of practice up there, and due to Hurricane Ida, and climate change had to zoom back down to Florida, uh, played, uh, stuck around in Florida for a few days and then, um, been working on my game a lot, been spending a lot of time on the range and the golf course with my dad, which has been, it's been so fun. It's been really like nostalgic and sort of mm -hmm. kicking it old school a little bit and, uh, really feel like I got my, my game in a good spot. I know I mentioned it a few weeks ago, but I am no longer using a um, an arm lock putter, Praise which me. I'm very happy to say yes, woo woo, <laughs> um, and just rolling the rock really well, swinging it really well. I feel like if I'm swinging like if I can, the the thought that's going in my head is swinging like Louis Oosthuizen, which is a wonderful swing to try and emulate. <laughs> um, but made it over to. Flew into Portland and then scuttled on over. I actually played a golf course called Tokatee, which um, Todd, my caddy, who caddies at Bandon, he's been there for 19 years now. Uh, his daughter, Marley, she just recently broke 45 for nine holes for the first time. Uh, she's an elite runner, so golf is like a second passion of hers. It doesn't get as much of a chance to play as, um, definitely not as much of a chance to play as Todd would like. Uh, although she's ramped it up recently, so she broke 45, and the original plan, excuse me, 50, 50, and the original plan was for her to go to Sylvie's Ranch, which mm -hmm. is like in, it's like, Oregon bordering on um, Idaho down in the south, I think, all Oregonians the way on the east love side of the Sylvie's state. Ranch. Like I always hear about it, but keep going. Yeah, they they it's a resort. They've got they've got golf, they've got ATVs. Um, obviously, you can ski when it's snowing and things like that. And they have these adorable caddies that are goats yes. and hickory sticks and everything. And so um, Todd had told Marley, if she breaks 50, she'll be able to go to Sylvie's ranch. And this three week, it, it happened last week. And so the timing, no, sorry, a couple of weeks ago, but the timing of everything, cause you know, five weeks in Europe and then you only get three weeks at home didn't quite work out. So he said, Hey, let's just go spend a few days at Tokatee. And so I met up with them at Tokatee because it was sort of on the way to Bandon. And he was like, we'll go play Tokatee and then we'll play with Christina as well. So Todd, his, um, his significant other, Rochelle, Marley and I went and played, had a great time. And then we hit up some hot springs over there. Apparently there are hot springs everywhere in Oregon and they're not all necessarily resorts. There's a bunch of them that are just like, you know, just off the beaten path and everything. And so we, we experienced that, which was really, really cool. I was assuming because, then, because of Marley and the player caddy dynamic that you actually wore bathing suits. But I will say for the, in California, if you find a hot springs in the wild, you are compelled to go nude. That's just a thing. And are you aware of this, Christina? That you are under I, certain I am obligations. Yeah. <clears throat> um, full disclosure: I did not come with a swimming suit, <laughs> but I did have my gym clothes. So <laughs> yes, um, everyone, everyone was 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 clothed. Yeah. Um, I mean, that scenario you probably have to, be, but I will say that my uh, my dad is a hot springs aficionado, like all over California, up in the mountains, and whether it's Mammoth or, of course, there's there's some down in Big Sur. And 
<laughs> my dad's a great he's a great guy but he's slightly oblivious so like we, we used to do that and then when i was a teenager it was like wow there's a lot of naked people here but it's, generally speaking it's it, it's like if you go to a water park in orlando like the moms wearing the thongs are probably not the ones you would have chosen it's the same with the hot springs the people right. the people who are nude are not the ones you'd want to be nude and I'm still slightly scarred from the experience. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, we, we died. Well, that's the thing. I would look like if anybody's ever watched Futurama, I would look like Dr. Zoidberg once he takes his shell off. That's the way that I would describe myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we digress. But yeah, hot springs are amazing. And yeah. um, when you play the dinosaur next year, you have to go. So I found this place out in Palm Springs. It's called Bubbling Wells Ranch. And it is the coolest place in the world. And they, you can Airbnb it and have all these hot springs and these different places Ooh. you can. There's a giant house where a bunch of people can stay. But there's these little cabanas. And there's a, a, a lake that you can swim in. It's, you know, it's just it's a magical spot. I'm, I like hot springs. They're therapeutic. Well, I might go visit. Yeah, yeah they, they're so therapeutic. It was amazing. And so this hot springs, it was... Like there was obviously a natural spring coming by and 50 feet away, there was a, there was a river. I think it was the Mackenzie river, if I'm not mistaken. And so I went into the hot springs and we hung out for like 15, 20 minutes or something like that. And then we went for a little walkabout and then I hopped into the river and it was colder than the ocean, which up here in the North, uh, the PNW, it's like 51 degrees or 55 degrees or something like that. It was colder than that. I was like, oh contrast therapy this is amazing and todd like he stuck his hand in there and he's like mm -mm, no no he got in a little bit uh yeah. farther down um I, but there were some, some of the hot springs were were sort of uh meeting up with the 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 river like it's just so fucking beautiful here it's not fair i love it really yeah. isn't fair i love the pacific northwest it's it's a special place and it's so special yeah and so bandon you know i was actually a little late to the Bandon craze, you know, back when it opened. Um, and as a West Coast guy, it was kind of shameful. And so I, I figured, you know, if I'm going to do it, I really got to do it. So when Old Mac opened, uh, my great friend mm. Kevin Price and I, we went up and we played all four in the same day. And we had the golf channel. They followed us with cameras. Like no one had ever done it. We just kind of like, <laughs> I came up with this idea. We're like, let's make it happen. And we had, you know, we had different caddies and we were sprinting and the whole thing. And, and because of scheduling, we didn't get to go in June when obviously the days were long. It was like late July, I think. But we made it with an hour to spare. And um, anyway, not that long after they started, they started doing this as a thing at Band of Dunes where you could, you could play them all. Now there's Sheep Ranch. You can do five. And it's like a, um, but that was, Oh, that was kind of like making up for lost time. But I've been lucky that I've gotten there now, I guess, probably 10 times. And it is. Wow. Yeah. I did so spoiled. It, it's such a neat, special place. And for all, for all the hype and, you know, you've been, you've been hearing about Bandon now for 20 plus years. Somehow it, it just, it always exceeds expectations. And they're, they're always improving the golf courses and, and the infrastructure and the restaurants and, um, I have, I have a trip coming in like six weeks and the daily countdown, there's a group thread with 28 guys and we're already, you know, oh my God. I know it's just, it's a, it's a highlight of the year for all of us. So, um, so I know you didn't have a ton of time. You, you didn't get to play them all, but what were your thoughts of, of, of the courses you, you got to play? Well, so I have so many thoughts on so many aspects of Bandon. Um, one, you may have started it's called the solstice I, I where know, I, I think know. it's on the 21st of july like yeah they they go yeah, from it's a whole sun thing. up to sundown i know I, i'm oh my gosh yeah it's i'm not saying that i'm the reason they do it but this was this was just kind of a harebrained idea and it was like of course you, one it makes perfect sense yeah yeah four great golf courses you gotta play them all in one day right i mean it was for sure uh, yeah and it was funny um, because, so... because of scheduling this, it was so it was so madcap. I flew in the night before. Me and Kevin played all four courses. I left the next morning. It was like like I was in Bandon for like thirty six hours, and uh, um, and I, for like a couple of years afterwards, I didn't get back, and it was still sort of a blur. Like which which course was that really cool hole? With, like, <laughs> it was just too. It was like sensory overload. But uh, I've gotten to know them a little more intimately now. Luckily. That's amazing. I, um, so I quote unquote, I didn't do quote unquote the abandoned thing 
because I wanted to be able to just thoroughly enjoy myself and really, you know, it'd be like a, um, uh, instead of like having dinner at a tapas restaurant, it was just somewhere where I had like two or three really good, like little dishes I was able to sit and savor. Uh, so <clears throat> excuse me on, on third Friday, uh, we played Tokati on Thursday and then we drove over to Bandon Thursday evening. On Friday, we went and played at Bandon Dunes, the original, uh, the first little baby. And um, I played with I uh, Todd caddied for me, which was so much fun because he was like, I want to be able to, he's, he's, I'm not going to sit here and say he's possessive, but you know, we've built such an amazing rapport and, <laughs> you know, with everything going on, you know, originally from the, the Bandon Dunes caddy, Bandon Dunes resort caddy relief fund that we did last year and everything. And so it's, it's just so cool to see it. You know, it's not come completely full circle because I still have to get my round of golf in with uh, Louie and, and the boys. We're trying to, we're trying to shoot for next year and um, so we are, we played band and dunes with Jeff Simons, who is the, Such a good guy. um, I think he's, I, I he's Jeff, the best, yeah. like, yeah, the, the head of all operations and his wife, uh, Marie, and he, there was this other gentleman that joined us. His name was Ryan. And, <clears throat> you know, we're talking a little bit and, you know, we're, they're all really good golfers. Marie, I think she said she just missed on the U S women's mid am by one stroke. Wow. Um, she's, I believe the Oregon state women's amateur champion. I mean, she, a, illustrious career, went to Boise state, probably one of the top five players from Boise state, just a beautiful golf swing. And, um, so we're all playing and everyone's got, re- you know, everyone's really good golfer. And, uh, on occasion, Ryan was, you know, maybe a little bit, a little bit off from the fairway. And so he's like running back. He's like, he goes off into the boonies to go hit his shot. And you just kind of see him running back and, and a few holes in Jeff's like, well, so originally it was just going to be him and I and my wife. And then this is actually a little bit of like a, not, not necessarily a job interview per se, but you know, just, just sort of like building relationships and things like that. And, and then he was like, and then I told him, you know, like sort of last minute that you were going to join us. So he is just doubly shitting himself right now. <laughs> and so I was just like, I'm like, Ryan, I'm so sorry. I'm like, we're just here to have fun. This and that, whatever. They had a match going on. I birdied the first three holes and, you know, they're like eight or nine holes in and they're talking about their match. And I was like, how come I wasn't invited? And they're like, your first three holes told us everything. So no, you're not welcome. And I was like, okay. But, um, Ca- casual flex. Bandon was nice, nice start. <laughs> it was, I mean, it, I didn't know what was happening. Like I was just, and, and it was great because a lot of times, like just the way that I am, if like, I like to set my sights on, okay, I want to hit it here. And you know, this is, this is it. This is that, whatever, whatever. And, and Todd was just like, you want to hit it at, you know, that dune way off in the distance. And I was like, it's a dog like right. I thought it was a dog like left. Like what, what is going on? And like, I just implicitly listened to him like with every single swing and was just, it was just so, so good. Um, so coming to like a, a new golf course and working with someone that, you know, knows every blade of grass. That's really was, cool. It was so nice and so relieving. And, we had just so much fun and then um so abandoned dunes was just just incredible and the round started off not a breath of wind and like 66 degrees brilliant sunshine and todd was like well okay so of course when the tour pro comes in it's going to be (laughs) you know perfect conditions or whatever and then it did pick up you know and those last like excuse me, five, six holes are just breathtaking yeah. um, over at Bandon Dunes. They're just so, so beautiful and everything just sort of, you know, like it just sort of, it's almost as if you're watching a flower as it's progressing through its life. It just really blossoms coming down the stretch. Right. And well, I will say um, that the wind started picking up as well, which was awesome. Yeah. And that finish is, is so epic. I mean, it's not a, mm. a popular pick, you know, every, every guy who's ever, or every gal who's ever been to Bandon Dunes has their, they're ranking other courses and it's like such a thing. And I, I enjoy the debate, but you rarely see abandoned dunes as number one on that list. I mean, a lot of people go Pacific, some, some go trails now sheep ranch. But for me, abandoned dunes, the original is, is my favorite course there. Cause as you're saying, there's just a flow to it and 
kind of reaches this crescendo and I just, I just love that golf course so much. And it's, it's just incredibly fun to play. I mean, you know, P- Pacific is just so hard and especially in the wind. And I, mm-hmm. you know, I love trails and I love sheep ranch. Um, and I admire Pacific and, and some of the, you know, pack dunes is, is super fun. It's probably got the best start and finish uh, of any of the courses there the middle is kind of meh but um for me it's it's banded dunes i just you know there's just something so special about about that golf course and when you get to 15 that's that incredibly hard par three you know just like 200 yards always into the wind um and then 16 that par four along the cliffs that you can you could drive and i mean 17 is one of the hardest holes on the planet but it's so good and then you finish that par five on 18 like Mm-hmm. It's yeah, and if if you usually if you time it right, you play in the afternoon and the sun's getting low, and it's just like it, it's such a magical place. So, all right, I'm sorry, I had to jump in. Keep going. By all means, no, <laughs> I love hearing all of this, um, and and you know, when Todd listens to this episode, he'll be so happy to know that that Band and Dunes is your favorite um, in the. Gosh, I think of it, I'm thinking of it like, like the open because, you know, it's almost, it's, it's very similar latitude to the, the courses that we play for the open rota. So I was about to say, I'm glad to know, he'll be glad to know that Bandon's your favorite course in the rota. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, um, and then we played Pacific Dunes on Saturday and Saturday it was, again, it was Todd did play, uh, along with Rochelle, Marley and myself. And I gotta say, I mean, straight off the bat and Rochelle had told me Pacific was her favorite course and three holes in, I was like the, the masochist, the, the, the masochist slash sadist in me, depending on whether I'm playing or watching others play <laughs> my, the first three holes in, I was like, no, it's gotta be Pacific so far yeah. of the, of the courses that I've played. And, you know, we finished the course and then for me, just, I would say that, um, there's no question that Bandon Dunes was far more enjoyable. The flow, like you said, is impeccable. Ending with that, 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 the, 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 not tension in a negative way, but just everything, the buildup that leads towards those last few holes is just amazing. Combined with the fact that it reminds me in, in certain ways to Tara Edie in that, it, like you can bring your 91 year old granny with you or a tour <laughs> player, as long as you keep the ball relatively, you know, for the most part yeah. in front of you, Yeah, way more playable. you can, you can have a great, yes, it's so playable. So it's so much more accessible to so many more golfers by way of skill set, And it is so much more, um, inclusive in that way. But the asshole in me is like, Oh man, like in, in certain ways, just the difficulty of it, I would say that, um, Band and Dunes reminds me of Castle Rock because it's it's got just enough. It's got that ruggedness, um, like but every like every tuft and everything is 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 beautifully placed. It doesn't look like um, you know the council forgot to take care of this place for the last twenty years. It's just it just showcases its natural beauty. Whereas I would say that um, Pacific Dunes was a little bit more like Hardnoosty in that it's just going to punch you in the gut. And we had like a steady probably 17 mile an hour wind the whole day. So I saw them in a bit of a different light. Um, and so talking with Todd afterwards, he was like, all right, so what's your favorite? And I'm like, so in my way it is Pacific dunes, because again, it reminds me of, of, you know, it never gives up. It never, ever gives up. And I thought four was just an amazing hole. We played all the way back from, was it like four sixty nine or something like that? It was just, it was so, so good. And, I was like, that being said, if I had to only pick one of those two, since those are the only two that I've played so far, that I had to play every single day, by way of the enjoyment, I would go band in dunes every single day. And I love the fact that the golf course that holds the name of the resort has that, you know, because if, if while incredible, if all five golf courses were basically replicas of Pacific dunes, it wouldn't have nearly the, um, 
sort of pilgrimage that you would get from golfers of all skill sets yeah, because sure. it's just it's it's very very hard it's so good yeah and it is absolutely breathtaking but it is just so hard and you can't you can't have you need to have a great variety yeah well i mean pack dunes is awesome like i i i i come to love it more and more i guess for me i don't i don't i'm not a huge fan of like the last four or five holes it feels like when you turn away from the ocean that last time it's kind of like mm. oh man yeah because you have that yeah once you get to 15 yeah, yeah. 50, yeah and uh and we can we i mean you can nitpick it forever but like you know 15 is that par five that long par five and i freaking hate that green it's downwind it's like impossible for you know a guy like me to hold that green it went downwind and then 16 is that really quirky par- well, yeah you just go long and then you're pitching back into the wind so it's going to actually yeah. slow down instead yeah for <laughs> sure there you go you see you're the strategist um and then 16 is that 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 drival par four but that hole's kind of a mess and then 17 that part three i mean it, it's a it's a really good golf hole but it, it like kills mm. us it, I, i've been in groups where like five wins the hole it's just like <laughs> it, it's so there's just nowhere to miss you know wins always howling off the left and, and then um i like 18 but you know that second shot is super awkward kind of blind and whatever i mean this this, bit, is, yeah. this is complaining about you know the mole on Marilyn Monroe's face. Like it, it's, it's, it's a hell of a golf course. Um, but, um, you know, it doesn't have so to this me. It's telling me that you've only played this course with a, uh, with the prevailing winds. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, and which, which is the winds that I played in. Yeah. And, um, but you know, the, like the first 13 or 14 holes are, it, it just, utterly awesome like when when you get up to the sure. the third tee that long par five and the course just spreads out in front of you like that's one of my favorite vistas there and um you know those back-to-back par threes at the turn are, are awesome mm-hmm. there, i mean that is amazing yeah that little stretch where you kind of get down in the meadow like um i guess six and seven like it's it is it is an a plus golf course um and that, that's the funny thing about bandon is like even your least favorite golf course on or whatever comes out number five in your ranking is still freaking awesome and you'd play it every day if you could so that it's such Absolutely. an embarrassment of riches but um yeah that that's so cool that you, i mean what a neat experience and you mentioned the band and dunes caddy relief fund that's how i got to know todd your caddy because he was mm-hmm. he was instrumental in in putting that whole thing together and I was out there playing and he came to say hi with Marley, uh, his daughter, who's just the cutest little thing. And so, I mean, she's so, like five, six now, well, by I, the way, I saw, she's five foot six or something like that. I saw that swing video. I was like, Oh my gosh. Cause she was just a little girl when I met her. And, um, <laughs> and she's definitely like sprouted about, you know, a foot and, um, it's just, it's said, you know, we, we know the golf world is small, but how cute is it that Todd and Marley are a part of your life? And I, I've gotten to oh to write gosh. about them and, and, and I know them and the other, that's just what a special experience for you to kind of be led around by someone like Todd who has so much, not only, I mean, he has the knowledge, but he has, he has the pride and the, the sense of, of place and, and ownership in that place. So, uh, I'm, I'm, absolutely he's one of he's one of the ogs over there for sure yeah yeah for sure he's been there longer than simon's has <laughs> right i know it's um it's funny this group that i that i go up um to bandon with every year you know it's um my uh my co-partner matt janella it's the uncle tony invitational that he puts together and one of the guys who's who's part of it is josh lesnick he was the first general manager at bandon dunes like living in a trailer when they oh just built the resort and um so and so of course he knows every single person there at the resort um or at least he did now it's gotten so big but so yeah the jeff simons and all these people the michael chupkas i mean there's just all these ogs that are still hanging around and that's really what you know makes bandon so and of course there's shoe i'm I'm guessing you got to meet shoe the the uh, what is it? The greeter slash I forget what is his title? Director of of outside happiness, I think. And um, <laughs> you know, and when you go back and you see these people, and they have such an amazing memory for their guests, and they know it. It's obscene. It's obscene. Like there's a, a relationship there, and I think that's why that's why people go back to Bandon because you know, for for a lot of golfers, they're only going to take one big trip a year, right? And so, and there's just this incredible 
array of destinations that are awaiting, but a lot of folks just go back to Bandon without fail because the, the courses are great. The service is wonderful, all that stuff. But there's, there's also this kinship and there's familiar faces and they remember you and uh, there's just a relationship there that is, to, you know, for me, it's really unique in, in the whole golf world. Like just that, that closeness and, um, and yeah, it went like, okay. So obviously, you know, I'm a Pebble beach guy. It, that's where I worked growing up and I still live in the area, but there, there's not that same feel whatsoever, you know, and people come and, um, they do, there's a lot of things you can drive down to big Sur, and you're going to go shopping in Carmel and you know, it's, it's a whole trip. Right. Um, and there's a lot, it's a multifaceted experience. Bandon is just that, that sense that we're just there to, to eat, sleep, play golf and drink and have fun. And mm-hmm. the, the, the pureness of the experience and this, you know, the pilgrimage, it's part of it because like last year we wound up driving up there because with um, the way the flights were. With, yeah, the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. The, the pandemic and everything. And, um, you know, it's not easy to get to no matter where you're coming from unless you have a PJ. And so, um, you know, it, you got to want it to get there. And that that's just part of it. It's like it's, it, 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 it draws the hardos, right? Like, you, like you've got to, you got to want to be at Bannon Dunes. And, uh, yeah, every, everything about it is, is just is neat. Did you get over to the labyrinth by chance? The labyrinth. Okay, I'm so, going to say no. Yeah, it's one of there's all these little you know it's like the secret menu in and out. So built in the forest, there's there's this old fashioned labyrinth that's modeled after one that um, was on the floor of a church in France, I believe, and it's like a really meditative secret spot. And so that's always how we end our trip. You know, everyone straggles over there. Oh wounded from the night before and um <laughs> it's like a little it's just a peaceful beautiful way to end it you know it's just one of those little grace notes that you know the kaiser family you know they it's just all the little details and so yeah there's there's always that's new things amazing. to experience yeah but um for sure that's the thing because i, I mean and so that's why i say i quote unquote didn't do the abandon thing of playing a minimum 36 holes a day doing this doing that i remember i was so immensely fulfilled after my round at Bandon, which was my first round there. And I'd gone to the parking lot, put my clubs away, and I was walking back. We were going to have dinner at the Tufted Puffin. Um, although I think it's called, is it the Forage? Right. They just when re- it's at, at dinner time. Yeah. So, well, they just, they just opened a new steakhouse. I, I just saw something about that. So, yeah. Um, Pretty amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah. The food's good there. And. Oh, the food was amazing. Like for lunch, I had the pork belly BLT on a lettuce wrap. It was just, it was out of this world. But anyway, so I'm walking to the restaurant and then one of the, you know, myriad shuttles pulls up and then the doors open and I see two guys come out and, um, you know, Bandon Dunes is, uh, you know, they've got the, the lodge right there. They've got the cottages off in the background. They've got the, the it's so funny. Cause I, when I was walking back from the, um, from the car and my car was parked right in front of McKee's pub. And I looked off to the right and then I was just like, Oh, okay. Like maybe that's an extension of the lodge. That whole thing. It's like a hundred yards long. That whole thing is, it says massage center. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, that makes sense. Like they, they have every detail figured out. So I'm, I'm walking by and, and the two, there are two older gentlemen that, you know, sort of tumble out of the shuttle <laughs> um but not like not like drunken messes or anything they're just like man I, that last step is pretty far and and what the, the first guy comes out, he's like oh my god i'm so sore and then the other gentleman comes out and i say hi good evening how are you and they're like hey um uh or i say hi good evening they're like how are you and i'm like i'm doing so amazing i'm like how are you doing and i pointed at the first guy i'm like i know you're sore i was like how are you doing <laughs> yeah. and they're like well this is like day three into our five-day trip 36 every day and i'm just like man like you can't like i get it but i don't get it because i'm just like yes i understand you want to like spend as much time as you can on every inch of property and play as much golf as you can and there is that beauty behind it um this is also like part of me thinking like man i think i know where i want to go when i retire so it's sort of that thing of like how i live in florida now and i'm like ah disney world's right there i can go anytime so there's that part of me that's like okay well i'll have all of my golden years to be able to go and spend time at bandon maybe (laughs) and 
Yeah. But it was, it's just, it's so amazing. Yeah. It, it's a war of attrition when you go to Bandit, and especially like, you know, for this tournament that we do all these guys, like, um, everyone's staying up super late and hit the dispensary on the way in from the the airport <laughs> and the the fire pit, you know, there's just, it's just like, it's, fatigue becomes a major factor because yeah, for sure. It, We've actually throttled back the itinerary just slightly, so there's there's not as many thirty six days. So there's always there's always a second eighteen that will play alternate shot, but it's not part of the actual tournament scoring just for fun. Or we'll, you know, they mm-hmm. go to the punch bowl, or um, which is that great putting course. Yeah, right the putting there. green. Yeah, yeah. Uh, over the, there at Pacific Dunes. Yeah. yeah, the preserve, which is a little thirteen hole par three. So, um, but yeah, it it's true. It, and of course, there's also an economic imperative because I don't know if you heard, but the second 18 is half off. Green the replay speed. rate, yeah. yes. And then if you play a third one, it's free. So if if you're if you're traveling on oh a budget, if you're traveling on a budget, you're like you got to play 36 no matter what. And if you really absolutely, if you're physically able, you might as well just keep going. Uh, so. Um, and of course, just, or you can, if you own an RV, you just drive up there and then not have to pay for your lodging and then still just get one round a day and really savor it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sure. There's so many ways to do it and that, and it's cool. Everyone has their own, everyone has their own thing, you know, among, among the regulars, which courses they want to play in the afternoon, like, um, mm-hmm. and w- what's the cadence of the courses and it's just all, it's all part of the fun. And you know, I was lucky to play golf with Mike Kaiser earlier this year, which was awesome. And I mm. I talked to him on the phone a few times. I'd actually never met him, and that, that was that was a really cool experience. Um, you, you know, he, I mean, Bannon Dunes is not cheap. Like, let, let's not let's not, you know, sugarcoat it. It's still an expensive trip, but um, absolutely, you know, they haven't raised their greens fees in like five years, and. Because mm-hmm. the the first round is is still in the I think it's two ninety or something and he's like he said you know there's just something psychological for me I don't want to I don't want to go across a three hundred dollar mark that just seems like way too expensive mm-hmm. for vacationing golfers and um, you know demand has never been higher like you know they they could probably charge five hundred dollars a round without the replay rate and they would I'm sure the tee sheets would still be full the demand is so high but. You know, it's almost un-American where, where we're trained to try and squeeze every dollar out of every person at all times, right? right? And, you know, right. that that mentality. And so uh, it's not that Bandon is cheap, but it is doable, especially if, if, if you go in the shoulder season when the rates are much lower and if you play a second round. And um, there's ways that it's it's within reach uh, for, for most golfers. And um, I think it was cool. It was just, you know, that, that Kaiser would be aware of it. And he's like, yeah, you know, Kemper Sports, which they managed – like the guys at Kemper are killing me, you know, we got to raise the rates, you know, it's time. It's been, it's been three years. It's been four years, it's been five years. It's like, nah, it's okay. We're good guys. We're doing fine. And, uh, I just thought that was really cool. And, um, for sure. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah. And as much as, uh, as much as the rates are going up everywhere else, like that, that just, you know, I think what one thing that Kaiser does is he does his best because, to try and make golf as inclusive as possible in his own way, obviously, you know, it's just in the, in the grand scheme of things where you're just like, well, you know, if you look at the rates of somewhere like, you know, like the straights, or if you look at the rates somewhere, um, you know, let alone the courses that you can't even gain access to, he's like, yeah, "Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a bit of a pilgrimage to get out here and no, it's not cheap, but we're not necessarily thinking we want to have the same, 220 people coming and playing the same playing my golf courses every single day because that way it's accessible to anybody that is able to make it out there um and it's it it is funny though because i the more i think about it and it's silly because you know todd's a huge um fly fisherman and he's got his his spots over in the the greater Bandon-esque region, you know, in the, mm-hmm. the, the, the North Bend and in Coos County and all of that. And it's just one of those things where it's like, when I sit back and kind of look at it, it's like, you know what, the golfers that go to Bandon to an extent, you know, it's like, that's like the birthplace of golf for them by way of the Bandon golf experience. And they go out and then it is a struggle 
but they always, you know, they always seem to make their way back upstream or back away, back out from the ocean, up the streams, and then they come home. Like it's They're like it's, the salmon. We're all a bunch of little salmon. <laughs> Uh, I stepped on your punchline. I'm sorry. I didn't know you were going there, but yeah. Oh, no, no. It just, no, it's it's perfect. But yeah, we're all a bunch of uh, steelhead and coho and it's just, yeah. it's so freaking cool. I love that so much. Yeah, that's great. Well, all right. Um, I don't even know we're going to talk about Bandon, but I love it. I mean, that's the thing. If, if you're, if you're a Bandon fan, you can, you can, you're, you're ready to go. I like, it's just like a, you know, it's like a cowboy who sleeps with his boots on. You want to talk Bandon? Let's talk Bandon. But, um. absolutely. And there's so many things you can talk about. I mean, the number, the sheer number of the stars that you can see at night and the, the, the tiniest, tiniest. Like, oh, I saw whales. Hmm. Like this is it's whale season. Oh, and, yeah. and another thing, like there there really is no like horrific time to be abandoned because in the summer the highs you know it's very much like the UK like like you know coastal um, UK where the highs are generally like sixty five sixty six degrees maybe up to like seventies and then in the winter time the highs are usually like around fifty fifty five so. Yeah you're going to get fairly consistent weather anyway. And then there's going to be days in January and February where it'll be just like when I went over the weekend. Yeah. So anybody like you got to go fly into Portland. It's a four hour drive, fly into Eugene. It's like a two ish hour drive. Like it is, it's not as hard as you think it is to get out there. It's just hard to find like a direct flight unless you're already on uh, like the West coast or the Western half of the U S well, I know a few folks who, who've been abandoned a bunch in February is their favorite month. Um, they just, mm. this is like this, like the, the stealth good weather month and mm-hmm. um, the it's like half price, you know, it, it's yeah. so uh, anyway. Yeah. Oh, also real quick. Sorry to, yeah. sorry to interrupt again. But one thing that Todd was saying, because he says Bandon is his favorite golf course. And one reason why he loves it is that regardless, like it's a course that, 360 degrees of wind is still fantastic and phenomenal. And so with regards to pack dunes, I've only played it in the prevailing wind, which by all accounts, it sounds like you have too. But when the wind switches, the course completely changes. And it it was basically built for, I think he said prevailing wind is a southerly wind, if I'm not mistaken. Um, But it was, it was a course I was pretty much, ideally built for a southerly wind whereas banded dunes it doesn't matter what's going on you're still going to have a great time so sorry that's that, that's that was good. one yeah, thing that well he said. said doesn't make it his most favorite of the favorite he said and he said the same thing he's like trust me the golf course is still a plus <laughs> this is by no means a dig i just i am lucky enough to live in a town where i have five a plus 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 golf courses so he's so spoiled. And we were making, um, you know, comparisons between, because the when we went to Europe, it was the first time that he, you know, had gone to the golf courses in the UK and everything. And he was like looking at the courses that, um, you know, inspired the band in Dunes Golf Resort and this and that. And he was like, I came home and I had such a new appreciation for my golf courses, which is a scary thought to have, but I was able to, to enjoy the golf courses and, and experience them in a completely different light. And I was like, Oh Todd, that makes me so happy. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. No, it's, yeah, it's really, it's really like you've been dropped in, in Ireland and, um, it's, that's, that's part of what's so great about those courses. So the other big thing that's happened in the world of golf besides your abandoned trip is the Ryder cup. Why don't we have a quick, Ryder Cup discussion just because it's it's fresh and you know Patty Harrington just finalized his team, um, and now now we have an idea of who's going to be at Whistling Straits. And I gotta say, I like this U.S. team more than most of of recent vintage. You know, six rookies, right? Because that's so hard. I know <laughs> this is the irony. You know, I wrote that column forecasting this long term U.S. dominance. Everyone thinks I'm like this big like flag waving you do that ugly every, american not not I, not the not the same vein yeah. or sorry not the same story yeah. but it's always why america should always win no, no, it's not true. <laughs> like i actually always no, i've been I know, more I like kid. a team I europe kid. guy because i can yeah um no in like 97 i wrote this people were calling that the greatest u.s Ryder cup team ever because it was tigers first and you know you had young phil and you, you had all these you had Lee Jansen who'd won a bunch of U.S. Opens recently, and you had all these other guys. And 
both Golf World and Golf Week wrote the same story about basically this is this is the greatest U.S. Ryder Cup team ever before the match, and I wrote this this rebuttal. That was totally bitchy and over the top, and I would never, I wouldn't, I wouldn't write the same way. You being bitchy? I know. I was young. <laughs> what can I say? And basically, like, call the team totally overrated. I went like player by player and like critique their record and and their humanity. And apparently, the team was like literally passing around a copy of it on the on the Concord over. It was like classic bulletin board material, and everyone was so mad at me, like the players and the wives and the caddies. I got so much shit, Valderrama. But in the end, of course, I was right, and they they lost, and it was semi redemptive. But uh, no, I'm. I mean, I've when when the U.S. loses, it's always the backlash is always kind of delicious, and so um, you know, I'm, I'm that week. I travel on no passport. I'm 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 not an American. I'm not anything. I'm just an impartial observer. And in fact, George, you're a golf fan. Yeah, Jordan Spieth said that to me one time in a. He, in an interview, he's like, "Well, you're an American." I said, "Nah, not really this week. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm neutral." But you know, I really feel like the the U.S. has a chance here if they can get it done at Whistling Straits. That'll be two out of three, and they have this this incredibly young, talented core. I mean, six rookies, but included in that is a gold medalist, the guy who just won the British Open in Morikawa. And then um, Patrick Cantlay, who of course we know has been an almighty terror. So they're they're Ryder Cup rookies, but they already have impressive resumes. And then you add that to the core of Dustin and Brooks and JT and Spieth. Brooks, maybe. Yeah, I mean Brooks, maybe. Honestly, I think it'll help the U.S. team if there is no Brooks this year because he hasn't been playing that great, and it would eliminate all the weirdness, you know, because even though he's. You know he's kind of most of it. <laughs> yeah, not. I think Bryson. Uh, he's obviously a, a very specific personality, but you take the the Brooks dynamic away, and he's really going to want to blend, and he's going to want to win points for the team because you know he laid an egg in Paris, even though he's like Mister Red, White, and Blue, and. Um, so th- there's a, a redemptive arc here for, for Bryson. If he can, if he can play well and help win the cup and, but having Brooks there will obviously be like complicated emotionally, not only for him, but everyone else in the room. And so I'm, I'm hoping that, that Brooks WDs and I'll, I'll take Billy Horschel. I mean, he's obviously on a heater. I'll take Kevin Na. Like, I think yeah. they would bring more team spirit and spunk, um, than, than Brooks would. And, Obviously, Kepka is a hell of a player. We know that, but he's he's a little he's he's wounded. He's been a little diminished uh, physically. So, um. yeah, I'm I'm a little I'm I'm a, I'm conflicted by whether or not I want Brooks to participate because if he doesn't, then that means that he's injured, and I fucking. I mean, I fucking hate being injured, and because I've gone through my own injuries, I hate seeing when others are injured. Um, Combined with the fact that, you know, obviously he did he did make his way on the team. I, at the same time, um, if he were to withdraw, I don't necessarily... I still feel like until someone physically invites Bryson into the group, he's not going to try and just insert himself. Because, like, on, like, a deep psychological level, like, he... Because, you know, he, he has a very high IQ. He does have a very... Allegedly. Um, in Supposedly, <laughs> as my old caddy TJ would say, supposedly with a B. Um, he's, he, is, he is very academically smart. He, he may have had some social foibles and he may have some emotional growth that he can still uh, work on. Which, again, when you can find growth... I find that very, very exciting because if you've got it all, like what more is there to figure out and what's the point in all of this? Um, but he's, I feel like he seems like to me that he's always been an outsider looking in um, whether, you know, whereas tiger, he's for the most part chosen to be more of a lone wolf mm-hmm. or a, a solitary tiger in that sense. Whereas I feel like Bryson, you know, I think, I think he wants to be part of the group, but oh, totally. th- there's still a little bit of that tentativeness where he's like, ah, until someone invites me in, I don't know if I should. And I would say 
I would, I can see someone like Colin bringing him in. Yeah. You know, and just like, hey, Bryson, like, come like, hang out yeah, with him. Like, because nice Colin's so guy. chill. Yeah. You know, he's just, yeah. He's also, he's, he's also very intelligent. So, you know, there's that, that sort of thing of Bryson's like, oh, he's smart, me smart, we smart, together, something, oh, people, good, kind of a thing. Um, and, you know, again, at the same time, you think about it, I mean, and I am, I'm very much like you. Like, I just love golf. I love team golf. I love all of the cups. Um, obviously I'm a little bit more biased when it comes to the Solheim cup. Cause it's something that I have experienced and losing fucking sucks. Um, although when we did lose in Colleen castle, I was like, Oh man, this is how you guys have felt so many times. That stinks. <laughs> um, although we've been feeling it as, as the American team has been feeling it more often than one I would like, or anyone would like, however, sorry. Um, John Rahm's the only player in the top 10 of the world rankings on the European team, um, you know, which is something that people like to tout. But it's just, I mean, it, it, the, I just sort of feel like this Ryder Cup is going to be like you just grab a fistful of marbles and throw them in a bowl and just kind of swirl the bowl around. Like there is, it, it, there, for me, there's no way of knowing. There's so many variables, one of which the largest one is going to be whether or not Brooks is going to be healthy enough to play. Yeah. And then on top of that, let's say he's borderline if he chooses not to play is that going to be more for him or is he going to make that decision for the team as well like yeah, there, there sure. are all I these mean, like little weird things and then that's going to be whether or not there's um just a bunch of marbles being rolled around or if there's all of a sudden just a big old rock that gets tossed right in the middle of the bowl that everybody has to kind of work around all of a sudden you know i know and brooks you know he's built his whole brand on being being this gunslinger and being this big tough you know athlete not a golfer so of course he's he's even if he's hurt he's going to show up and prove how tough he is and even if that's to the detriment of the team so it's um uh, unless it's borderline where it'll be at the detriment of his career correct no doubt i mean he's not you know, he's not that, a, again that's he's not where a fool. it's, it's not razor gonna, thin yeah no doubt so which way he's going to go it's an interesting choice you know for for team europe um to me this is kind of the last stand of that amazing generation that's helped Europe win seven of the last nine Ryder Cups. You know, Westwood, Poulter, Garcia, they've been mm. the heart and soul of those teams. Mm. And, I mean, Westwood, but by the time of the next Ryder Cup, Westwood and Poulter are practically eligible for the senior tour. And, you know, Sergio, there's obviously he's he still has a beautiful golf swing and he, he, he's dangerous at any given time. But his, his week-in, week-out performance has definitely dipped over the last couple of years. So you have to wonder... And of course, there's no Stenson, there's no Rose. Like they were the other kind of building blocks for those teams. They've kind of aged out now, and so this is really the, the European team is in transition, and this this is a big one if because uh, you don't know what you're going to get going forward from the rest of that core. Now there's, you know, there's certainly, um, you know, John Rahm is going to be a monster for the next twenty years. We know that Rory. <laughs> Rory's still Rory. I mean, of course, he's dangerous every time he laces up his spikes. So, you know, they're they're kind of the team leaders for Europe um, as far as the the younger the younger set. But um, you know, it's hard to imagine Team Europe without Poulter, without Sergio, w without Westwood. And but that day's coming, and so this becomes a really monumental Ryder Cup. They can steal one more at the end of their run, um, and if not, I mean, certainly there's plenty of, of good young players coming up through the ranks of the European tour. Um, but they don't have the pedigree and they, they, they don't have the institutional success of, of that older generation. So, uh, it's, th this is a big Ryder cup. Both teams are, are kind of remaking themselves. I mean, you know, this is the first Ryder cup with, for the, for the Americans without tiger or Phil competing since 1993. Like it really is. The, oh my God. It really is the end of an era. Which not to say that they were they weren't cornerstones of success. I mean, we we both know that um, they were they have disappointing Ryder Cup records and their and their their teams have really disappointing records. But nevertheless, I mean, they were the dominant personalities for going on three decades. And so, <clears throat> excuse me. So this this is a big one for for Team USA. I mean, they have to now. Phil's going to be in the room as vice captain. You know, he's going to suck up a lot of oxygen just because he's Phil. But it's different when you're not playing. So. Um, they're going to have to figure out who their, their leaders are. And, you know, I think Jordan Spieth has that kind of personality and, and he's, he's, uh, 
he's a natural born kind of leader of men type, but, um, you know, he's still a little bit younger. Uh, you know, Dustin is by, by age and experience, you know, you would, you would point to him, but he doesn't have that personality. Like he'll go out and play hard, but he's not giving any speeches and, uh, you know, Brooks could be that guy, but he may not even be there. So the identity of the U S team is, is kind of in flux and it's going to be interesting to see who steps forward and, and really helps shape the personality of the team. Obviously there's no, no Patrick Reed, which I'm relieved about that. That takes away a whole other plot line of melodrama that the U S team doesn't need. So I think it's a fascinating Ryder cup uh, in that um, both teams are kind of searching for who they are and who they're going to be. And, Whichever one wins is going to have this rocket fuel into this new era. And whichever team loses, it's going to be, uh, they're at a crossroads and there's going to be some big questions. So I'm, uh, I'm even more intrigued than usual. Put it that way. For sure. This is going to be a, this is going to be a fascinating study, this cup around, because like you said, it's, 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 it truly is more so than than even in in you know the last several cups of a real changing of cars. Because I remember they were saying that you know when when Dustin was coming in, when Jordan was coming in, that this was like the changing of the guards. But you look at the sheer number of the young guys that are on the American team. I I gotta say, I mean, if I were to pick, for me, there's just something about how he carries himself. I see Colin Morikawa as being the next leader. Um, Dustin. And again, I mean, these guys are all great and I don't know them at all to be, to be perfectly honest, but Dustin seems more like a soldier than a Colonel, if you will, or a Lieutenant or anything. And that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. Like he's, he's, he's more, I will, I will do what I can for the team, but I'm not necessarily going to be the one that has to go and pick up the pieces if they start falling apart or something like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. Jordan. Um, I don't see, I don't see in Jordan what I see in Colin in that. Um, I, I don't know how to say it. It, it. These, there's, these are by no means any sort of a dig at any of these guys. I just, I just see, Jordan as more of, oh, I'm going to have to sit and think on that. I might have to come back to you on that. Um, <laughs> we'll splice and, it in later. Don't worry. And, and, I'm kidding. We don't, yeah, we don't do that. And Cantley though, Cantley, I think, you know, he's, he's, he's got that sort of steeliness oh, yeah. and he's, he's got like a Tom Watson esque kind of vibe to me. He's a killer. It's going to be you fun know? to watch him at the Ryder cup because Imagine Absolutely. Patrick Cantley with adrenaline, right? Like, you know, when he's, it's going to be fun to see how it comes out because I mean, I remember David Duvall, um, who, who I think there's some comparisons with Cantley and the way they play the game and their personalities. And, you know, before his first Ryder cup, he's like, oh, it's just an exhibition and, oh, it's overrated. And then he, he got there and, and he felt it and he's pumping his <laughs> fist and stomping his feet and, <laughs> you know, huffing and puffing. It's like, okay, double D. Yeah. You just found religion. And, um, yeah. so, uh, yeah, it's, that's, what's fun. And even like Morikawa, you know, he's such a low key personality on the golf course. And when you get 40,000 people clustered on two golf holes and, the, um, the energy of it all. I mean, it's going to be fun to see how, what it brings out in him. And you can go on down the list. It's, um, I'm stoked. I mean, obviously we, we lost, we had the Ryder cup got pushed back a year because the pandemic and, mm-hmm. uh, it just feels like it's been an eternity since Paris. And, um, so I'm, that's a good thing. <laughs> well, that's I know. not a bad thing. If you're, if you're wanting to root for the Americans, it's true. Um, but things change so much. I mean, like, you know, Francesco Molinari was like the best player on the planet at that moment. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he's not even gonna be on the team. You know, he's had, he's had injuries and right. psychological damage from the masters and, and other things. And, um, you know, three years is a long time in, in, in golf careers. And so, um, you know, Tommy Fleetwood, who was a monster there, like I mean, he hasn't won in two years he's still dangerous and he could still get put four points on the board because he's an emotional player and whatever. But like, um, you know, you thought coming out of that, 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 that Mollywood was going to be a, a, a bedrock team for, for Europe for the next two or three cups. And it just hasn't, it's not going to work out. I mean, who knows? Uh, so there's, 
there's the 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 churn of it all makes it fascinating and uh, i'm just i'm just excited to be there i it's the Ryder cup it just delivers no matter what and i i think the era of the blowouts is over you know there was that period there where the us was getting getting crushed and um it happened in paris but i don't I don't I think they're going to I think they're going to be this is going to be a tight one and I think I think it's going to stay that way for a while because I, I just I like I like the the composition of the teams and um and even I have to say with with Steve Stricker I was very uncertain of of him as a captain you know it was almost an honorary choice cuz it's in Wisconsin and all that and I thought is he he might be too nice to be a Ryder Cup captain and you have to make tough decisions and you have to be a little bit of a hard ass on some level but you know, Billy Horschel saying he didn't even get a phone call from Stricker. Like, I actually like that. You know, I I was worried that Stricker was going to call every guy in the top 100 of the FedEx Cup points list and say, well, I'm sorry you didn't make the team. Like, no, he's... Yeah, and then it's like, you're like, I'm from Chile. Why are you calling me? Exactly. <laughs> like, maybe Stricker's kind of a baddie at heart. And, um, you know, I liked his picks. He absolutely is. I liked his That's pick, why he's you know, the, one of my favorites. He's not some... He's not strict. He's a good good man but that's not to say that he is like a goody two-shoes right. he is a I mean, good man who makes good hard decisions he may turn out to be like the paul mcginley of for the u.s where it does not have a humongous mr bean <laughs> yeah exactly you know mcginley didn't have a monster resume as a player and it was always this weird thing from on the u.s side like well you had to be a major champion you know around age 50 mm. to be the Ryder cup captain but really your playing success is not the same as being a team leader. You know, they're, they're, one has Absolutely. very little to do with the other. And it was this weird template that, that the U.S. team was locked into. And so, you know, Stricker's not a Hall of Fame golfer. I mean, hell of a player, but didn't, didn't win a major. Like, in some ways, he, he might not have been, he might not have gotten the call within the old, the old rigid thinking of the PGA of America. But um, I, think, I think that he might turn out to be a really skillful captain. He's clearly done an incredible amount of homework with analytics and everything else that he, he put into his captain's mm -hmm. picks. It wasn't willy-nilly like, you know, Tom Watson getting talked and taken Webb Simpson because of a few text messages on the day of the announcement. You know, there's like, there's clearly been thought and planning and analysis. And um, so I, I'm happy about that. Uh, and there's just a, a few little hints that, that Stricker might, might be, uh, he might be the right man at the right time. So, we shall see. But well, for yes, for his sake, I hope you're right because he is one of my favorite players of all time. So I want him to do nothing but succeed at everything that he does, including um, he got Bobby through first stage. I know, no, I mean Steve Stricker. He's he's one of my favorite people on the planet. Don't get me wrong, I like, love the guy. Like did, everyone loves yeah. him, and um, but I was I was just kind of wondering, like, is he going to get? Can he make the tough call with a lot of personalities and a lot of egos? And, you know, that's that's the hardest part. Like, who are you going to sit? And if someone's playing bad, you know, that was like Jim Furyk to me made so many bad decisions at, in Paris. And one of them was, you know, he'd grown up in Tiger Woods' shadow and he was in awe of him. And so he couldn't, he couldn't bear to sit Tiger, who was clearly exhausted and beat down and his body wasn't working and 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 Furyk still put him out there four times and like and then Phil who couldn't keep it on the planet who never even should have been picked with that golf course in mind he kept throwing Phil out there it was just like he just is giving Europe points and because he couldn't make the tough call of sitting down his buddies and these legends of the game but that week on that golf course you know you play Tiger once in alternate shot and you save him for singles and you play you play Phil once in, in four balls and then you see him for singles and instead he just kept giving Europe points and um, for sure and for sure so now you know I, well and that's part of the intrigue of this because you have so many of these young guys that obviously we've been watching but like it all comes down I think for for both American teams it all comes down to cohesion because that's one thing that the Europeans for both the men and the women I mean because don't get me wrong you've got the best of the best and you're not just the best of Europe. You're getting the best players, like among the best players in the world. And it's not just like, oh, well, they're just the best Europeans. No, fuck you. These are the best players of golf in the world. 
And one thing, you know, because we always talk about like, yeah, you know, the Europeans, they have so much more experience with match play because they play a lot more match play than than we do in the States. They have, um, you know, their national teams, this, that, you know, blah, blah, blah. So they have their their little clusters and they have their groups, but they have the ability because they Yes, they have their little clicks, but they all are able to band together. So even if you were to put people in pods, those pods still have to coexist. You can't just have three girls in uh, one pod and, you know, four guys in one pod. And you, know, you do that in, um, you know, in, in, in clusters and keep them separated. That There is a flow and an energy and a heart. Like I, I feel like when... Uh, we started doing the pod system, um, um, you know, back in the day and I only did it in, uh, like I was one of the prospects for, um, oh my God, which one was it? I can't remember which one it was when Julie was, was captaining her first, her first team. Um, I experienced the concept of the pod mentality and I thought it was awesome, but because like I didn't, we weren't necessarily disclosing saying, oh, well, you're a dominant introvert with this kind of tendency and this and that, whatever, whatever. But it's like, you know, I was talking with the person that was conducting the the tests and saying, I don't need names, but if someone is this, which is a clear opposite of me, how do I communicate with them? And learning, you know, the different types of personalities that there are, it helped me greatly learn how to communicate with someone. If someone is more introverted, one, you don't push the issue, but you, you ask questions without necessarily expecting there to be a continuous back and forth, yeah. you know, and you know where their comfort zones are. And so it's a matter of not just knowing, oh, these are my people. I'm going to hang out with my people because this is, you know, a dominant extrovert with, uh, you know, a tendency to this, that, whatever. I'm just like, okay, so this is that kind of person. In order to have that relationship with that kind of person, like you can – like. Also, like, you know, in, in junior high, I hung out with the skaters. I hung out with the jocks. I hung out with the Latinx community. I hung out with, like, the uh, the, um, the, uh, the the theater kids, the theater nerds. Like, so, you know, I like to say that I can sort of come and, come and go between different groups. But understanding other people is something that I think the Europeans do so, so well because they have to, you know, mm -hmm. being within the European Union, you know, and, and, and Great Britain and Ireland, you know, you have to have that ability to co not, not cooperate necessarily, but to be able to communicate amongst one another, even if there are differences, whether it's um, native language or personality types. And so I think that, that that could be the next step is not just knowing what your personality type is and knowing these are my partners because we're in the same pod or whatever, but being able to reach out and take these well, however many there are four pods or there may be as many as six pods or whatever and turning them, you know, they're just, they're, they're pods. They're like different. They're all like petals of a single flower. So it's, it's a matter of just knowing that at the whole, at the heart and at the core, we're still, whether you want to say American, whether you want to say human, whether you want to say women or men, you know, or, or people with born with, with the, with that, those biological, um, you know, body parts or what have you, like it's, you know, finding out what the, the, the core of it all is beyond just this podularity or whatever you want to yeah. call it. But that's because that's something that the Europeans do as well. That's the next step is, yeah, they're all pods because they're all from, you know, their own countries and they all, you know, whatever, but they communicate in ways that I think um, is something that, that the Americans can grow, which again is not a dig. It's something that I'm so, so excited about. Yeah. And that's an something that can be cultivated. Yeah. Absolutely. This is, it's just, it's so it's just it's going to be such an amazing week and and that on on the heels of the ladies having played and that in itself was its its own you know new changing of the guards because you had a lot of younger players on 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 both teams you know and you know you've got like you know Mel Reed and Carlotta Saganda are are some of the um the heroes the heroines and the the leaders of this team they're stupid young I know it's true you know like it's how amazing is that? Yeah, Team, and team USA has its hands quick. full in the Solheim Cup going forward. 
For sure. But that's the thing. That's exciting. Like, where are we going to go from here? Yeah. How do we get to be in a place where we can, we can get back to American dominance and, and American, I'm not going to use greatness because I don't like those two words together anymore. Um, but I would say for me, the most intriguing, the most intriguing person. So the two people I want to watch the most are Victor Hovland. Um, but the most intriguing person in all of this for me is going to be Terrell Hatton. I just want to see like if Apple can be, I, he can go psycho and I want to see what happens. Like I think it'll be so much fun just like as an observer and being able to see if he can rein in his emotions right. or if he's going to take those and use those to hit 390 yard drives. Like, yeah. cause that's another thing that first tee is, I don't care what the yard says on the golf course. It is the shortest hole on the golf course. Yeah. When that Adrenaline's first tee amazing your drive. first match. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. I'm so stoked. I know. And yeah, I mean Hatton's he's 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 comedy. I mean Shane Lowry is you know, he's he's such a fun character. Who doesn't love Victor Hovland? He's just he like Europe just has a lot of fun characters and that's that's how it's always been, it's how it always will be. And uh it's it's neat to watch the alchemy on that team. So yeah, it's gonna be great. Well we still have a couple more weeks to talk Ryder Cup before and after, so um, woo, 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 woo. And of course, we didn't even get to the fact you're in Portland playing one of the best tournaments of the year on the LPGA schedule and lots of food trucks. So, plenty of of material for next week's podcast. But I feel like we should probably re- release our listeners at this point. Yeah, absolutely. So um, thank you all for listening to yet another scintillating episode of Full Send with Christina Kim and Alan Shipnuck. We out. Bye.